Welcome back to Ether Hour, everybody. I'm your host, Conrad Franz, joined, as always, by Dimitri Kalyagin. This is episode 12 of our esoteric history information lore show that we bring you everything wacky and crazy going on throughout the annals of Christian and Orthodox and world history. So uh, with all of that, Dimitri, maybe uh, tap the people into the, uh, to the lore that we're going uh, to be bringing to them today. Well, I suppose we'll be touching upon several Russian legends here. And these legends, of course, span the entire Eurasian continent. We'll be speaking about concepts such as, you know, the mysterious land of Bilovodia, which is similar to, I suppose it's the Russian version of the Shangri-La or Shambhala, the mysterious Hindu land which Hitler was searching for during World War II. We'll speak about the legends of Kitezhgrad and as well as the Holy Lake next to Moscow, which recently the Muslims wanted to build a mosque next to. And just the theories of, you know, exactly how all of this ties into, you know, modern sort of concepts of a, a land which is hidden away from human sight, but which legends speak about as well as some, you know, some legends actually related to church theology as well, or not even theology, but lives of saints. And in that regard, um, it does interest us as well. And of course, a lot of these legends arise from Russia and those countries adjacent to it. But I guess where do we begin? Um, Bielovodzia, the the land of the, the land of the white waters, essentially, is what it translates to. And according to Russian legends, going back to the early centuries of you know Christianity, and officially it really became popular in the 19th century. But Bielovodzia was this theory about a land somewhere, a land of a valley somewhere in the mountains with uh, these peaceful trees and valleys, very, really sort of like a land of milk and honey, similar to what the Bible describes Israel as. So this new Eden type of land, but in a European style, somewhere hidden in the mountains. And where where, where is it located? Well, they say it's east where the sun rises. So the legends say that it's located east out towards Siberia. So from the Russian perspective, when Russians would speak about where do I find this Bielovodja, this uh, you know land of the white water, you'd have to travel east. So the Russians would travel deep into Siberia, Russian explorers searching for this lovely land, this valley somewhere in the mountains or somewhere in the tundra hidden. And, you know, many of them wouldn't return. But some of those who did, they came back with different various stories and some of those stories were, you know, whether or not they were true would, would you know, they would speak to that they have, they've actually found this land somewhere east in the mountains hidden. And of course, this legend grew on and, you know, kind of embedded itself in the Russian psyche of, you know, this particular land. And there's even people living there, apparently, people who live uh, away from the Russian government, away from the Soviets, away from the rule of the Tsar, kind of free in this in this weird land of equality and brotherhood where everybody lives in, in this Edenic state. And, you know, we'll just kind of touch upon exactly how Bilovodzia came, came about, this legend, which grew so popular that there were even plays and poems about it in Russian songs in the 19th and the 20th centuries. Well, it's uh, super interesting because Russia, as everybody knows, has by far the most access to like the Northern Pole, you know, the, the center of, I guess, what some would consider a flatly laid out earth. And Russia, like you said, they have the Altai Mountains. And so it's one of these places that if any place is kind of going to have these... Uh, these legends of these hidden lands of Shambhala, you know, and everything, much like China and India have theirs, Russia would have it with its massive, you know, Siberian frontier. And of course, anyone listens to our show, people that are in the, you know, the based in red pill sphere, you know about Hyperborea, you know about Agartha. I'm sure many of our Orthodox listeners have seen the iconographic depiction of Christ in the ship of the church flying over what, you know, 
looks like the uh, the kind of Agarthan Peninsula below it, which all of these uh, legends kind of are. Some of them are more in the West. We heard, you know, you hear about the Nazis or other people trying to find some of these places. You know, you hear about the Thule Society, and then even more, you hear about Antarctica and everything going on down there. So this is sort of a theme that I don't want to say every culture has it, but you know, it's very much a. Uh, in the in the European and uh, Christian, I guess pre-Christian tradition, there are these ideas of these lands, and so much of that ultimately does play into uh, cosmology and how you know maybe not everybody thought the Earth was flat before the uh, space missions and all of that of the 20th century, but people were definitely more open to alternative cosmologies. Were uh, curious about the fact that maybe we haven't discovered all of the land. That's where you know this idea gets interesting in reality, right? Because if something like Bovodya or Kitej or some of these places that we talk about with Russia, if these have, you know, more basis in reality, if some kind of basis in reality, then maybe up north by the North Pole or maybe even down south by Antarctica, there is more land that's being hidden from us. Some people say that there's areas of the Pacific Ocean that are island chains that aren't, you know, revealed to the public that are being hidden by, you know, forces and naval forces that be. I mean, remember the Antarctic Treaty, you know, no one's allowed to just go down there independently. No one can colonize it. You're not allowed to bring independent fuel. You're not allowed to leave anything behind to the point where you like get arrested. So they have all these, you know, all these rules about supposedly protecting the environment and everything that make it where you can't go to these places. But, you know, back in the day, when people like the old believers that we're going to explain a little bit in Russia, when they were, you know, being driven out and they, uh, there was no uh, international treaties about how far you could go north or how far you could go east or west. So we like to, we like with our overactive imaginations and our sense of whimsy to, uh, to imagine that some of these places very well may be out there in one shape or form or another. Yeah. And of course, a lot of these places, in many ways, they almost seem symbolical. Like uh, there was a famous case in, you know, the story of Kichesh, so the city that uh, during the Mongol invasion of Russia during the 1200s, they approached this Orthodox city, they besieged it, and the Mongols would, they would savagely take cities They had siegecraft down to a T. Of course, they would cut down all the nearby trees, which Russia was, had an abundance of. They would build, uh, build siege towers similar to what you'd see in movies like Lord of the Rings, and they would literally take the cities, they would set them on fire. And because of the abundance of timber and the you know the, the particular architectural um, means by which the Russians built their cities, you know, a lot of these cities would simply burn down, like Vladimir in, in Kiev in the 1200s. But the city of Kichesh was besieged, according to legend, by the Mongols uh, in the 1200s. And during the siege, they killed the prince, they killed all of his knights and bagatiri, all of the boyars died. And even the wives of the knights and the, and the knights, they would pick up their weapons and, to defend the walls of the city until only the children and the elderly folk in the city remained. And of course, the priests were praying inside the city itself. And as they were praying, suddenly water started coming out and the city submerged, became invisible. And at the same time, a lake appeared around it and the city literally submerged like a submarine and the Mongols had to retreat. And according to legend, this particular lake, it's, the lake has a really cool name as well. It's called Svetlayar. And, and in, I guess, an old pagan in the old pagan times, Yar, or Yarilo, was the god of the sun. So here's the Russian version, I suppose, of the pagan god Ra, like in the Egyptian uh, myths. So Svetlo Yar, Svet means light, 
And so the Light of Yar was the name of this lake. Now, it's what's interesting about this particular lake. It's, you know, when you think about lakes, you think of Loch Ness. Or lakes have very interesting legends about them anyway. Like in general, lakes are very mysterious because they're not rivers. They're not tied to a source. They're kind of just there, like mirrors into a different world, perhaps. And so just spiritually, even for pagan peoples, there's always this particular mysticism around them. Even the Sea of Galilee, in a way, is a big lake. And so what's interesting here is Svetlayar is about, you'd be surprised if you look at a map where it's located, it's 40 meters deep. And even then, Soviet scientists in the 1960s had trouble actually measuring the depth of Svetlayar. Svetlayar is also located close to the close to the place where Saint Seraphim of Sarov actually stood on a rock for three years, you know, consecutively. And, you know, that particular, those... Those very interesting forests where a lot of Russian monastics went. It's not next to, the lake is not connected to any uh, particular town or village, so it's a bit hard to go there. There aren't any churches built nearby. But, but pilgrims do visit Svetlayar to this day, this particular lake. There's, you'll find around the entire lake, there's all these crosses where people say, according to legend, uh, you could still see sometimes when, when certain feast days are on, you could see the outline of cities in the fog. On the lake so you can see even activity you can see like ghosts of past of the past people walking around you can see gates of the city opening you can hear church bells that's one thing people say, say all the time if you visit the spitlayar your lake in the forest you'll hear the church bells and it's really kind of scary in a way a bit eerie but um according to legend the the, the city of kichaj will of course arise out of the lake during the end times which a lot of these legends actually do mention that you know during the end times and even the even the story of Belovodje, right, Conrad? It is this idea of this Edenic gardens hidden away, which will protect the old believers or the people who find it from the Antichrist. There is that idea similar to... That is it for the free preview of Ether Hour, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear more about the land of Chud, Putin's possible uh, gnomic roots within the Altai Mountains, be sure to subscribe on Substack, worldwarnow.substack.com. You get access to all of the Ether Hours behind the paywall, as well as our articles that have sections behind the paywall as well. It really helps us out, helps us make more and more content. So thank you so much for the support, and God bless. <laughs> Oh, okay.